This is Real Estate Rookie, episode 105. For you rookies, if you're buying one property or two, bare minimum, start with an LLC and insurance. Create one layer of separation between you and your other personal assets for when something does happen, because owning real estate is the most heavily litigated area. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am here coming live from Virginia Beach, and I'm here with Tony Robinson, and it looks like Tony's just at home. (laughs) I'm just, I'm nowhere excited, (laughs) but I I think we got to call out for everyone that's watching this on YouTube that Ashley's got probably the best t-shirt on that I've ever seen her wear in my life. It's a Boys in the Hood t-shirt with a young, yeah, she's, I love that shirt. Ashley's got, you know, I I, I swear you were like a, like a hip hop, uh, I don't know, like connoisseur back in the day or something actually like you got you got all the good songs you got the good t-shirts you got some jordans on maybe right now that i can't see come on tony back in the day you mean currently (laughs) wait until you see my uh so we're recording this it's uh almost july but i have a you're gonna love my fourth of july t-shirt that i have too so you know keep an eye out on my instagram because you'll love it even more but today uh super awesome episode we brought on a professional for you guys to break it down for a rookie investor what you need to do now and what you need to plan for in the future to be protected. So we brought on an attorney who specializes in asset protection. This was awesome, awesome episode, Tony. Yeah. I mean, I learned so much, you know, like as we were going through the episode, I'm like feverishly scribbling notes on how not to get sued on how not to lose (laughs) my portfolio. Um, So I think what he really breaks down in a a clear and concise way that a lot of the rookies can follow is kind of the the three layers of protection that he talks about that you need as your wealth and as your portfolio continues to grow. So make sure you listen for that. But I think the important thing is that he also breaks down really clearly what you should do as a rookie investor. Right. Is that, you know, we talk about a lot of advanced concepts, but not all of that is stuff you need to do on day one. And he gives some really clear advice on what you should be doing as you're starting out. So what we did was we did a full interview with Brian, and then we actually are going to bring him back on next Saturday's episode or this coming Saturday. And we did a Q&A where we had a bunch of rookie investors submit questions and we read them to him. Uh, great episode. So make sure you guys listen to both parts uh, of the series here. But before we get into the episode, I want to make sure you guys know that we are doing the Bigger Pockets conference this year. If you guys haven't already bought your ticket, they went on sale um, and you can p- purchase them on biggerpockets.com and make sure you join Tony and I there. Uh, Tony, will people be able to see us there? Do you want to tell everybody? They will. We So some very special news. Ashley and I will be emceeing this entire conference. You'll get a lot of face time with Ashley and I. Uh, we will have choreographed dance and matching uh, fashion outfits the entire weekend. So yeah, it's super excited to, to share that weekend with you guys or to share those couple of days with you guys. Yeah, we really need to coordinate with Bigger Pockets what our budget is on hiring a choreographer and for our uh, outfit changes. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you guys want to see mine and Tony's special performances throughout the whole Bigger Pockets conference, make sure you guys uh, buy your ticket uh, and we'll see you guys there. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Are current interest rates making you depressed about cash flow? What if it didn't have to be that way? Rent to Retirement has 2.99% seller financing available on turnkey properties. You heard that right. That's a seller financed 2.99% interest rate where the average cash flow is over $900 per month. 
They also have options where you can put as low as 5% down on multiple investment properties with no PMI. Rent to Retirement is the nation's leading turnkey investment company that understands what it takes to be successful in today's dynamic real estate market. Their reputation speaks for itself with more five-star reviews than any other company on the Bigger Pockets website. Rent to Retirement offers fully turnkey properties that are newly built or renovated, leased and managed, allowing you to invest with confidence in the markets that offer the best returns. To learn more, visit renttoretirement.com. That's rent toretirement.com or text REI to 33777. Again, text REI to 33777. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. Okay, let's get into the show. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you give us a little background about yourself and why you are here today? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Tony and Ashley, for having me on. And this is going to be an important topic. And you know, like, I'm not anyone's legal guru. We're going to be talking about generalities. Um, and we really are living in a fascinating time right now. We're seeing laws and policies drastically change every day. And you know, like, I'm going to try to make a talk about you know protecting your assets and law and the legality of it. Pretty fun. Um, and we're seeing people getting sued and being sued that normally wouldn't be getting sued. Um, so protecting your assets and your wealth, especially if you're investing in real estate and you know getting into landlording, is more important now than ever. And so I hope that the concepts that we talk about help you and your listeners understand this area better. And I'm definitely going to you know question and blow up the status quo a lot and clean up a lot of the misconceptions that we've been hearing. And you know, like a little bit about me, I am an asset protection attorney. That's all that I do is asset protection. And I'll define that later on. Um, but I was selected to America's Best Attorney 2020, um, Super Lawyers Rising Star List 2021 and 2015, Lawyers of Distinction three years in a row. I was nominated to the top 100 high stake litigators list and top 100 in real estate list. I just really love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do. Um, I'm a big legal geek, investor geek. Um, and I like helping and sharing knowledge with people. So that's why I'm here. Well, Brian, we are so happy to have you. Uh, thank you for joining us and congratulations on your achievements. That That is really great. Could you, uh, before we actually get into the asset management, could you tell us a little bit about your own investing and into real estate and what that kind of looks like? Yeah, I like investing right now. I'm, I'm actually investing a lot in crypto right now. Um, and I'm also like real estate, but I don't like investing personally as being a landlord. I like more um, notes because it's the most passive way of investing for someone who's really busy. I don't really have the time or interest to be landlording or doing that. So I like investing in underperforming notes, more in like a JV position, which is even more passive, um, as well as syndications. Um, and then I really like investing in the stock market. Brian, can you just explain real quickly what note investing is for some of our rookies that probably don't know what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So a note is essentially just think of it like a mortgage. It's a piece of paper. So you're investing in paper. You're going to own, you're going to go and buy a house. You're going to have a mortgage. Banks have to have velocity of money. So money has to be moving. And so they are going to give you your mortgage and then generally it's going to be sold. And so where it's going to be sold is to other institutions are going to buy those notes. I can go up to my bank and buy what's called like a tape or a strip. And there'll generally be like a hundred in them or a note investor or someone who invests in like a portfolio would purchase them. And I can go to that 
holder and say, Hey, are you looking for a JV position? How much are you looking for? You, you know, give them 50 grand into a lower position, uh, in a junior position, and then we own your mortgage. And then we have a lot more freedom if it's underperforming, meaning you're not making your mortgage payments than a bank would be able to do. And so what we'd be able to do is come over, knock on the door and be like, hey, Tony, hey, Ashley, what's going on? Why aren't you making your payments? And then we can adjust to what you can pay, which a bank can't really do. Over the next six months, we'll turn that note performing and then you can sell it. So if I bought an underperforming note at 60%, when I make it performing in six months, it's now increased in value. Now I can sell it at 80, 85%. That's a really interesting uh, way of investing in real estate. You know, I've heard of note investing, but I've actually, I've, I've never really had a conversation with anyone that's done it. So um, adding that to my list of things to look into. Yeah. And the great thing is also, you know, like the idea is not to foreclose on the property, you know, like at the end of the day, but that is one of the exit strategies is that's why you're selective on where you buy um, to where if you do have to exit, you know, the, the position and foreclose on the property, then it's what am I going to do with the property? sell it to a wholesaler? Am I going to fix it up and rent it out? Am I going to flip it? You know, then you have different exit strategies for there. So you got to know what the market is on where you're buying the notes at. Yeah. So we'll have to have you back on, Brian, to give us a whole rundown on, on how to become professional note investors, because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience are intrigued. But I want to I want to shift towards what we brought you on here today to talk about, which is asset protection. So um, I, I guess just give us a general definition of what it means when someone says asset protection. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the general definition is they're just calling and saying, I own some stuff. I know I have some risk. I need some peace of mind is really what asset protection is. And asset protection is not traditional estate planning. It's modern estate planning. And we're really combating out of control medical costs and a very litigious society. Um, And we're creating legal barriers between your assets and your potential creditors before it's needed. All this has to be done before you're being sued. That's it. It's just like a barrier, like a safe for your gold or your guns or other valuables. Anything of value you want to put behind a legal barrier and out of your personal name so that it's not easily attached with a lien or reached during lawsuits. Um, just like the rich. you know, like I love Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins has this saying, success leaves clues. The rich don't own things. You know, they don't own them in their personal name. Their businesses own them. Their estate plans do. They just get the beneficial use and enjoyment out of them while separating out liability. And so now our firm, we're collectively protecting over 5 billion worth of assets now. Wow. That's impressive. (laughs) So what is the... What is the difference? Everyone, the biggest questions rookie ask is an LLC. Like if I get an LLC, I'm protected. Or if I get umbrella policy under, you Mm -hmm. know, and I have the property in my name, I'm protected. What is your thought on an LLC? And is that enough protection for somebody? That's a great question. And I'm going to go to the the second part of that first where you're like an umbrella policy because, Mm -hmm. and I'll tie it in with an LLC to where... When you're just starting out and you're a rookie, your very base level foundation is insurance plus an LLC. If you can't afford those two things, I would say tap the brakes on waiting to invest. Just like when I advise people starting businesses, if you don't have enough money to not be a solo practitioner and you can't afford an LLC or an S Corp or something like that, you need to tap the brakes until you can afford that. That's a minimal cost. And that needs to be put into your budget and your planning. Um, Insurance is great. You need to just understand the limitations of insurance. They're good for the little matters. But when you're getting into larger lawsuits, like million-dollar lawsuits, I mean, I've had some of these like $40 million lawsuits where an an apartment complex had a $40 million mold issue. The insurance companies don't make money by paying those claims. Or there's an issue like we're tracking right now with a client who's a California resident. He bought a New Jersey property. Ended up renting it out to a gang member, didn't know it was a gang member. There was a fight inside the house. Guns were pulled. Somebody shot, killed. Who's being sued for wrongful death? The owner of the property, the doctor in California. Um, So these are the things that you can't plan for, but your insurance won't cover you for, even if it's an umbrella policy. Insurance just provides capital to fight legal claims. Eventually, all that capital gets eaten up in court. That's why it's in everybody's advantage to settle. And then the way insurance as a business works is their job is to create, it's good for slip and falls. That's why I'm like, you have to have insurance as you grow, level up your insurance. People forget to level up their insurance. Um, but they create legal wiggle room for through fraud and intentional acts and intentional wrongdoings. 
And for large lawsuits, that's as simple as sending an email because a judge will look at a case and say, well, yeah, you wrote an email saying the plumbing was done. That's an intent. You picked up your finger, you picked up your hand to type a message and click send. That's an intent. The insurance defense team, this all goes to the legal department now, will say, well, this was an intentional act. This case now has an intentional potential wrongdoing. We don't cover you for intentional wrongdoing, so we're not going to cover you. And if you think we're wrong, sue us while you're being sued. We don't care. Good luck. And so just understand the limitations of insurance. That's where, as the foundational level, you come into LLCs. That's the base level, entry level 101. And so when you think of asset protection, like I want you to think about winter. And when it comes to asset protection, we have different layers. The first entry layer is your base layer, and it's going to sit on your skin, and that's an LLC. And then as you grow and you get more assets, you're going to want a mid-layer, which is usually a little thicker, and this is called a management company or limited partnership. Then when you hit around 1 million net worth, you want an outer shell waterproof layer. This keeps you nice and dry and warm when the weather gets really bad. This is an asset protection trust. By layering, what you're now doing is making yourself more flexible, and you can adjust and make yourself more comfortable. Now, to break each of these layers down, I'm going to start with what you asked, the LLC. And there's a lot of problems with LLCs. We all heard about LLCs, limited liability companies, um, to hold your real estate in and your risky assets in. So anything that has a key or needs insurance on it or can can go boom, you want to take out of your personal name and they go into an LLC. But I want to spend and talk dime on and talk about the unspoken problems. And this is going to be through like disregarded entities, charging orders, and anonymity. Yeah. Can you break those down for us? Because I have, you know, when I set up my LLCs, I do it as a disregarded entity so that it's on my taxes, like a sole proprietorship for tax purposes. So let's go into that one first. Yeah. And that's the first problem generally is that most clients have single member LLCs and like you, they're all in your personal name. The problem here is that courts now are having a tendency to disregard single member LLCs for liability issues, so like lawsuits. And CPAs tend to set up LLCs as disregarded entities, like you said, for tax purposes. It's great for taxes, but really bad for lawsuits. What being disregarded means is that the IRS is not taxing your business separately from you. It passes through you personally. And because of this, they're basically worthless for asset protection and liability issues because that liability, just like your taxes pass through directly to you, so does a liability. But don't like don't get me wrong. Like I use LLCs; they're the foundation level. I use them in every setup that I have with clients. It's just the base layer entry protection one hundred and one. What you actually want is for that single member LLC that's holding your real estate to then be owned not by you, like the individual, the person, but by a second layer of protection, which is going to be called a multi member limited partnership, not an LLC. And I can break down the limited partnership later. But by doing this, what you're doing is properly layering your protection. Your mid-layer, you know, the limited partnership will be owning all those LLCs that you're holding your real estate in. So as you grow and you're getting more assets, you have like 15 properties, maybe eight to 15 LLCs. All those LLC tax filings and K-1s will simply passively flow directly through to the management company. So you just have one tax filing now instead of 15. What you're doing is maintaining that legal protection, but we're disregarding them for the tax purposes. And this then creates a really smooth and easy transition for fewer tax returns by adding that second layer, the limited partnership. And then the next thing is, you know, like charging orders, like where do we even set these things up in? Yeah, Brian, before we get to the charging orders, quick quick question, right? Because this is a lot of information. This is good stuff. I want to make sure that that our rookies are digesting all of this. So what you're recommending is that at a very base level for someone that's just getting started, having an LLC with some additional insurance coverage is like the bare minimum someone should have before they start investing. And as you start to scale up, then you add some complexities with this kind of middle management company and the end all be all is this asset uh, protection trust. But I just, I guess I want to get some clarification. So you're saying that uh, if I'm a rookie investor, I should not purchase a property and have it in my own name. I should always put it in the name of an LLC. You should. It'd be anytime you own something personally, you're now have the personal liability all on you, which means, and also your personal residence can be taken from you to satisfy a claim, your car, any asset that you have. So you want to at least create, if you think about it, like you're creating a, a castle. 
you know, like your own legacy. And when you build a castle, you want to start building moats mm-hmm. around your castle and different areas and lines of defense. Your first line of defense, your first moat is going to be insurance and LLC. Mm-hmm. So when you buy that first property, and it also really depends on what your day job is. Like if you're a doctor who has a high malpractice liability as well. So you got to look at holistically your whole situation, not just the asset itself, but where's the rest of your liability of your life come from. But for you rookies, if you're buying one property or two, bare minimum, start with an LLC and insurance, create one layer of separation between you and your other personal assets for when something does happen, because owning real estate is the most heavily litigated area of law. So just to just to follow up on that, so is there a specific way that we should be setting up these LLCs as rookie investors to make sure that we do get that asset protection? Because you mentioned that sometimes the CPA might set it up to where you get the tax benefit, but not the legal protection. So what what are the the kind of red flags or, or things we should be p- paying attention to when setting up this LLC for asset protection purposes? Yeah, that's a great question. That's going to come down to the net worth of the client and how many assets they have. I, it's not an issue down the line to have, this is how most of my clients come in, 15 LLCs, all single member LLCs, all in their personal name. We can fix that. What we would do is remove you as the managing member and owner of the LLC and create the limited partnership to own those LLCs. And so when you're just starting out, you might not have the risk and liability and the net worth to warrant a second layer of protection, a management company yet. But when you get to property four or five, you will. Mm -hmm. It's just too much risk. So starting out, I would be comfortable saying, create the LLC. You will most likely have to name it as your own in your own personal name as a disregarded entity. It's something is better than nothing. Then just realize where you started is not where you're going to end. Your next stop on that journey of investing would be around 250 to 500,000 net, which would be around four or five units. That's where the asset management limited partnership comes into play. Mm. So let me, can, can we talk about like our, our own personal experiences? Like Ash, I know you've got a few LLCs. Um, yeah. I've got one LLC. So I'm just curious what your recommendations would be to, to Ashley and I. So if I can give you like a, a brief breakdown of where I stand today. So I've got, uh, sorry, we're, we're closing on a property here on Friday. I know, Tony, you're putting us on the spot to like, <laughs> okay, there's the any LLCs, there's many properties. Yeah. But I, I've got, uh, I think we'll be at 11 short-term rentals come this Friday. We're closing another property on Friday. And right now, uh, our, our personal names are on uh, four of those properties. Um, and then we mm-hmm. have... Uh, I'm sorry, our, our personal names are on four of those properties and four of those mortgages. Um, properties five through 11, it's just our names on the title, but not on the mortgage. We have an LLC, but because these are short-term rentals and the way that we had, we got the financing, it had to be through personal names. So technically our LLC yeah. isn't even tied to any of these properties. So what would your what would your recommendation be to, I guess, kind of get that set up in the right way? Yeah. So when you say short term, are you flipping these or? So they're, they're rented out on Airbnb. Like, so, you know, if you go book a property on Airbnb. Okay. Short term, right. I got, gotcha. I'm, I was thinking short term as you're just, you know, like 90 days, hold them and get them out, you know, flip them. Um, you know, but um, no, for that, you definitely want to put those into, which would go into like, you know, charging order selections and where to even set these LLCs up in, which I'll, I'll tie that into that. But you want to put those properties into an LLC mm-hmm. because you're, they're not they're long term holds. You're renting them out. There's going to be a constant influx of renters, so it increases your liability even mm-hmm. more. So get the title out of your name, put them into LLCs. Um, the number of LLCs would come down to the equity that you have in each property. Mm-hmm. Like rule of thumb, I would generally say don't have more than four properties in one LLC or more than five hundred thousand equity into an LLC. And the reason is you can't stop an asset from blowing up. You just don't want it to blow up and affect other assets. And so it becomes cost, not efficient, but it, it, it really eats into your return on investment if you put each property into its own individualized LLC, especially if it's not worth a million dollars or more. Like you can't do that in California or the you know East Coast and West Coast because the properties are so expensive. Mm-hmm. But if you're investing in the Midwest, you can generally put four properties in one LLC from the same state, don't go more than four properties and don't go more than like 500,000 in equity. And then you start separating out risk from there. Um, so for you, I would say step one, get the assets out of your personal name. The mortgage is always going to be in your name. You're not going to change that. Get it out of your personal name, put it into an LLC. Brian, I want to jump in real quick there with yeah. the mortgage still being in a personal name. Does that affect any of the liability? Will that 
tie you into it somehow because even though it's in an LLC, the the mortgage is in your personal name? No, because the property and the title is going to be held through your LLC. And then the okay. LLC theoretically should be giving each member its separation and personal liability so it doesn't bleed into your personal assets called charging orders. Mm-hmm. Um, protection. Each state has different charging order strength. That's why you hear about shopping for jurisdictions and going to different states. Whether it works or not, we'll talk about that. But ideally, whatever state the asset's in, that's where the LLC is going to be in. Put that in there. Um, you're not going if the mortgage is in your personal name, you're not going to transfer it out of your personal name. We generally tell clients, go get it in your personal name. That's fine. You'll get a better deal on it anyways. Especially until for you rookies, you're going to have like a three or five year window of you creating an LLC or a management company to, to season it, to even be able to get mortgage like loans from mm-hmm. a bank because you're too young. So you haven't been seasoned and vetted. Um, so in that period of time, you're going to be getting mortgages in your personal name, which is fine. Put the assets into the LLC, minimally protect yourself from there. Then as you grow, maybe down the line, the banks will start lending to the LLC. Um, if you personally guarantee a loan, that's where asset protection really can't come into claim, you know, play because we'd have to exempt the lawsuit if you personally guarantee a mortgage or a loan. We can't protect you from a personal guarantee. That is really interesting because every uh, commercial loan that I've seen is they ask for a personal guarantee to get that lower interest rate. Yeah, and so if we if you can shop around to different lenders, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and see what you can get from there, um, try to get out of it. But that's one thing that if you are in the commercial real estate area and you have to personally guarantee that loan, that means that if you get sued through them because of a default and they got to foreclose and you can't pay for it, you just personally guaranteed it, which means your house could potentially be taken away if you're not at that net worth asset level to where you need to have like a, a strong bridge trust, because then there's things we can do offshore where we can protect your equity from there. Well, that is so interesting because I always thought that if that was just if, you know, you couldn't make the payments, they could come after you personally to cover the foreclosure of the property. I did not even realize that that was a whole liability for if you were sued, that somebody could come after you through that. Yeah. Someone's suing you and there's whatever the damn, like we're just doing, you know, um, the gunshot case that I, I explained earlier, wrongful death lawsuit right there. That's going to be a multi-million dollar lawsuit. You don't have that in the property value itself, most likely. So then where's the rest of that's going to come from? It's going to bleed through into the rest of your assets. And so that's why setting up very strong asset protection at different layers and jurisdiction spots come into play is you need to be able to protect yourself from an ultimate loss and doomsday scenario. And that can just be from something as simple as driving your car and T-boning somebody. You know, like there's loss and liability around your whole life. So that's where you need to protect yourself from the unknown. Uh, Brian, let's go over my portfolio, I guess, real quick. Uh, So I have separate LLCs for each business partner I have. So there's five altogether. One is my single member LLC, and then the rest are with separate partners. How do you do that limited liability holding company then if I have all different partnerships? Does that matter at all that I'm not the same percentage for each? It doesn't matter. What we would do is protect your ownership interest. And so as you create different business structures and entities, LLCs, you have a percentage ownership share. We would take your percentage ownership share, whether it's 25, 50, 7, whatever, and move that into the management company and protect that. And then your business partner can would do whatever they need to do with their own assets. And right, I would recommend they need to set up an asset protection plan for themselves and take their ownership interest out of their own personal name and put it into that level, into their own planning. Yeah, that, that great advice. And I love that we're getting into the weeds here. I'm sure the rookies are getting some good content and everybody's heads are spinning a little bit right now. So we talked about what the foundation looks like, right? And, and kind of how to, how to get started as a rookie. But one thing you mentioned, Brian, that I want to circle back to is that um, different states offer different types of protection. So as a rookie investor, how do I determine which state I should be setting up this LLC uh, or this asset protection entity in? Yeah, this is a, a the second big problem I see with LLCs. And there's a lot of confusion on where to even set these LLCs up in. Probably daily, I get this, this kind of question, you know, do you go to Delaware, Wyoming, Texas, Nevada, Florida, you know? And it really just comes down to an issue of what are you holding, meaning like where do you own and where do you own it? And so let's, and I'm going to pick on California a lot. 
during this talk. And that's just because California is a big state. It's very expensive. And so people from California are generally buying real estate somewhere else. And it's a very asset protection unfriendly state. Um, so let's say, for example, it's California real estate that you own and that you're a California resident. And then you go and set up a Wyoming LLC because you heard about it on the internet or your CPA. And then you go and hold a key piece of California real estate in it. And you're paying California franchise tax on this out-of-state Wyoming LLC because you legally have to report it as a business, out-of-state business entity and pay the franchise tax. What you've done is just convert your Wyoming LLC to a California LLC because, again, you're doing business in the state of California. You're paying the franchise tax in California. But if you ever have a liability issue in California, meaning a lawsuit, the judge in California or any other state that you own that asset in is going to apply California law or wherever that law of the, the lawsuit's coming from. They're not going to apply Wyoming law. And this is because a judge in California or any other state doesn't care that your LLC is a Wyoming registered LLC. What they care is that it's doing business in California. It's done this big legal word called availed itself of the protection and laws of that state. That's the state the asset's in. That's the state the injury or damage occurred in. It's going to be that state's laws and damage laws and tort laws that are going to apply. It's not going to be business and contract laws that come through on this lawsuit. That's what's called outside liability, you know, from the asset, not internal business disputes, like you and me owning a business together and dissolving it and suing each other. That's an internal business dispute. We could get some protection to, through Wyoming. But when you're holding real estate, that's not what real estate and LLCs are. They're just holding companies. And so you're not taking Wyoming or Delaware tort and damage laws with you to other states. So just simply by owning an out-of-state LLC, and you have to legally register that LLC as doing business in another state that you live in, again, you're registering it in California if you're a California resident. And it's just basic law. Once you do that, you did that fancy word called availed yourself of the privileges and laws of that state and given that state jurisdiction. And we have this great case called, it's a Indian Palms Country Club Association versus Anchor Bank 2015. This case lays out all, and 2015 just means the date that the case came out. This case lays out all the multiple legal standards you'd have to meet to successfully beat a piercing the corporate veil argument and jurisdictional elements. You wouldn't meet any of these legal standards as a real estate investor. Then it's just a matter of applying you know, corporate veil piercing strategies and all your assets are now on the hook. So for assets that are real estate, I recommend using the state that the real estate is located in because you're not gaining anything by using other states. You're just doubling your maintenance costs. And so it's just keep it simple, you know, and properly layer and don't think that you can just ghost a lawsuit by like, you know, thinking you created up an anonymous LLC. And for the rookies listening, I know that some people go out of state to set up their LLCs because it may be cheaper. But if you are sued, it is not going to actually be cheaper. And when you run your numbers, put in the cost of having that LLC in that state into your numbers to make sure that it's a good deal. And that just becomes part of it when you are analyzing a deal. I think that that's awesome you brought that up, Brian, because I can think back to a couple months ago, I heard somebody talking. It was their first property and they set up an LLC in Wyoming and they don't even live in Wyoming and the property wasn't even located in Wyoming, but they just wanted to, they had read something online where they wanted to detach themselves and be anonymous. And so that's what they did was set that up. So could you maybe go more in depth about how to be anonymous and is that actually a thing? There is, and it's, yeah, it's a great question. And that case that I, that I've mentioned actually is specifically an in-state California resident using an out-of-state Wyoming LLC. Mm -hmm. And that's why I picked that case specifically because it's, it addresses specifically all the multiple standards that have to be met. And as a real estate investor, you're just placing real estate in an LLC. It's not doing business. Automatically, you lose all the elements right there um, per that case. And um, that's a big question is like, why can't I just go and use the Wyoming LLC and I want anonymity? You know, like I want to just disappear. And this is a big misconception of LLCs and the thought that you can just create an anonymous LLC and that just disappear and completely ghost a lawsuit. And this is just completely false. But I get this question two or three times a day. When your LLC is sued, you're going to be legally required to appear and defend it. You know, you have to have like, especially like Wyoming and Delaware LLCs, if it as out-of-state owners of it, 
I mean, like you're a California resident creating a Wyoming LLC, you have to have a personal agent of service. Their sole job is to simply say, hey, guess what, Ashley? Guess what, Tony? Congratulations. You just got sued. You're served. Now you got to show up in court, go get a lawyer up and go defend yourself. Once that lawsuit and you go into court, there's a process called discovery, which is sharing of information. A judge is going to say, okay, hey, you're being sued for X amount of money. You have to, here's a document of disclosure asset list. List everything that you have, disclose all the assets that you have, because we have to make sure you can cover a potential full amount claim for this. At that point, you have two options. You either lie under oath and commit perjury and go to jail and say, I own nothing, which I don't recommend. And you might hear some people say like, oh, well, you don't own it. Your LLC does. You're the managing member of it. Like you're connected to it. Like a judge, that's not a judge is not going to buy that. Like, sorry, you know, like you're going to disclose those assets or go to jail by committing perjury. Once you disclose those assets, there's no anonymity to it. Anonymity exists. Um, I'm going to use another like, kind of an outlandish example um, to prevent harassment from people before you're being sued to saying like, oh, I hate Ashley. She's a horrible landowner. I'm going to go egg her house and find her personal, your personal address. That's what it does is protect a personal little bubble of people not identifying where you live personally. It doesn't mean you're not going to have to show up in court for a legal lawsuit. That's not how the legal system works. What you can do to get stronger anonymity is then as you grow again, like third layer protection comes to an asset protection trust because all trusts have a layer of anonymity just because they're trust. And so you don't have to disclose assets owned in the trust. 123 Main Street will own that trust. The assets in it don't have to be disclosed unless you're a purely foreign trust. All right. So so there are some ways to kind of build some of that anonymousness, anonymity into, into your business. Now, you, you, you talked a little bit about this, but I want to circle back to this as well, Brian. How, how do taxes and kind of asset protection go hand in hand? Like, is there a way to set up your asset protection so that you can reduce your tax liability as a real estate investor or, or are those two not connected in any way? Those two should not be connected in any way. And the IRS has like a very big guidelines on what to avoid. And if you're setting up asset protection to not pay taxes, that's called tax avoidance. It's against the law. People go to jail for that. Asset protection works by being tax neutral. And so that's what you want. And then you use your CPAs and your wealth managers to throttle the tax code and use that as a guiding mechanism. And then it's just a matter of how conservative or aggressive do you want to be? I would say, I'll ask your tax attorney, where's the line? Tell me where the line is. Then it's your choice to decide how close to the line you want to go or not. And then that's their job to execute it. Um, but for asset protection to work, if you were to come to me and, you know, like Tony, you know, you're coming to me and saying, hey, I don't want to pay taxes and I need to create this asset protection trust. Um, what can you do for me? That's fraudulent transfers and tax avoidance. That's I would go to jail doing that as well. And I'm not going to jail for anybody. And so, <laughs> and so that's where it's, we're here to protect you from creditors and lawsuits and liability so that if you have an excess you know, lawsuit against you, you don't lose your whole legacy and life work. That's acceptable. Judges and courts agree with that. That's the same principle of having insurance. Insurance is just a low level form of asset protection, um, but you're not going to be getting away from paying taxes. That's through tax strategies, tax mitigation strategies, um, deferred depreciation, and all of those things. That's where let them work their magic. We have to protect it. And most good CPAs will say, protect the assets first, because if you get sued and lose it, we have nothing to do tax filings on anything. <laughs> That's a good point. Hiring? Your search is over. Really, there's no need to search. Match instead with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates super fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to hire top talent faster. Speaking of top talent, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. But why do I love Indeed? Because I'm busy and scrolling through 300 resumes is not helping my business grow. It's actually making it slow. With Indeed, I can hire faster and know I'm getting someone who can do the job. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to post your jobs with more visibility at Indeed.com slash rookie. Just go to Indeed.com slash rookie right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash rookie. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rookies, 2024 is the year to start protecting your rental properties with an LLC. But you don't have to do all the paperwork and filing yourself. Corporate Direct is your professional and affordable option for getting your LLC done right. They handle the state filings, draft your operating agreement, and act as your registered agent. They'll even help you comply with the Corporate Transparency Act, a new federal disclosure law affecting every real estate investor. Corporate Direct is a family business founded by attorney, author, and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton over 35 years ago. Now, his son Ted is a licensed attorney working with him. Together, they've helped thousands of real estate investors form and maintain their LLCs and protect their assets. If you're trying to build a real estate portfolio, do not skip the LLC. Head over to corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with an incorporating specialist. Mention Real Estate Rookie and get a $100 discount on your formation. That's corporatedirect.com slash biggerpockets. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Now, I, I guess I want to get a little bit of clarity, right? Because we're, we're talking about a lot of different uh, kind of advanced strategies. But um, I, I guess when you when you meet with the client, Brian, or, or someone that's in asset protection, when they meet with the client for the first time, um, what does the, the process look like for setting up the roadmap for that individual person? Is it just like, you know, you guys meet, I don't know, every quarter for, you know, the first several years? Or I guess just what does that look like actually getting your own unique asset protection roadmap created? Yeah. So generally the client would call in and it, it, whether you would talk to me or any decent asset protection attorney, they're going to do an entire risk profile. And so I get some clients that call in and say, well, I just bought this one piece of property. I only want to protect that one property. But really we need to look at a holistic level of what's your day job? Where's your liability come from? Your employment? Are you a hundred percent investor? Are you a doctor investing? Are you a CPA? Where's all your risk and liability come from? Do you have kids at home driving your cars? Um, there's another level of risk. So we do this whole risk profile and then look through and say, okay, what's then the net, what, what equity do you have in each asset? Because we're not protecting the land because land can't be moved. What we're protecting is equity. And so what we're protecting is unprotected equity, which means if you buy a property all in cash, so we'll just use like a hundred thousand dollar property and I pay a hundred thousand dollars for it. I have a hundred thousand dollars worth of equity. What we're protecting is that. If you come in and say, I got a mortgage and I put 20% down, you only have $20,000. You know, the rest of it is, is not collectible on because there's no equity there to get. So we're protecting $20,000. So what we look at then is through all your holdings and your um, non-exempt retirement accounts. So like personal brokerage and stock accounts, what's your total unprotected net worth? And then from there, where do you own the assets at? What state are they in? Are they in where the state that you live in, because then that's going to tell us what base layers of LLCs we need to set up. Then the net worth will tell us and the risk, what additional layers that we need to go to from there. So it generally would be a 45 minute to one hour long consultation of everything that you own, how you own it, what your finances are, what's your risk, what's your life like, what's your short-term investment strategy, what's your long-term investment strategy. Then we would create the full plan. And then, you know, if they're at that 1 million net or more, we would add the asset protection trust. Um, and then from there, it would be just let us know what's going on. Keep us informed with your CPA whenever you, before you make a move and after you make a move, because we need to be able to create the right bucket to protect it. And then your CPAs need to know how to file the right papers and documents with the IRS. And then your wealth managers need to know how to throttle the needle and make you more money. 
And so the three of us all kind of talk while you make moves to make sure you're protected and maximizing the tax code. Brian, I want to kind of take all of that and put it specifically to a rookie investor buying their first property. Yeah. What would be the dream route that you would recommend for them to start out? They're going to buy one property and they slowly want to scale. How exactly should they they start? What would that uh, blueprint look like? Yeah. You know, like a lot of it you can read, like this is why I like, you know, the bigger pockets program too, is like they really dial down education on this and know your metrics and know your numbers and don't go over it. Like you make money when you buy, you know, and you make money when you buy through taxes. So people don't like taxes, but if you start becoming an investor, taxes, you're going to love taxes. You'll read a bunch of tax books because that's where you make your money. You know, cash flow is sugar, like the sugar on top of the cake you know, the crumbles, you know, like that's even better, but you make your money through taxes, depreciation, forcing cash flow later on. Um, but you make your money when you buy. And so realize you need to set up your team and have a team in place beforehand, which means if you're investing in real estate, have a real estate investment agent to go find a deal, a good deal for you. Then go have a CPA who knows real estate. Not all CPAs, just like not all doctors do the same thing. Some are focused on business, some on real estate, some on you know, different areas. Have You may have, depending on the state that you're in, have a real estate attorney um, because not all states have the agents do the closings and stuff like that. So you need to realize what state you're in. Do I need a real estate attorney or not? Real estate attorneys and business attorneys are not asset protection attorneys because most of their practice, probably 90% of it is on the transactional side. So they wouldn't know the deep details of taxes plus protecting the assets and liability. And an example of this is I have a lot of clients who get told to put real estate into an S-corp. And that's one of the worst things that you can do as a real estate investor is put real estate into an S-corp for liability issues. It will be good for tax purposes. you know. But the issue is when I have a client coming to me with a $100 million real estate portfolio all in an S-corp, they can't exit that position, that S-corp, because they're going to have to pay a big check to the IRS when they start selling all that assets. And so when they want me to put them into a bridge trust and an offshore trust for them, I can't have them exit the property because most clients don't have multi-million dollars sitting around in their bank account because it's all tied up in the real estate. So the problem with S-corps for real estate is S-corps have shares. Shares can be frozen and seized by court orders and judgments, which means then you're tied up all your real estate. So you should not be using S-corps for real estate. You should be using LLCs for real estate, then scale up into a limited partnership and into a trust. And that's just, I see this a lot. And it's not a CPA's fault because their job is simply to maximize taxes. So I don't fault them for it. Um, But you need to realize that's where an asset protection attorney specifically comes into play. And you want that asset protection attorney to do, that's his only job, because then they understand all these details about investing. And most of the time we invest ourselves. So we understand the nuances of it. Brian, before we move into our rookie request line, can you tell us what is the best way for someone to find an asset protection attorney? Yeah. um, So we have a, I would go on, uh, just type in asset protection and what you want to do is make sure and see like, are they just an estate plan attorney or because an estate plan is completely different. That's a living will, you know, like a revocable living trust. That's not mm-hmm. asset protection. You know, they're, they don't work for asset protection. If you put all of your assets into an estate plan, family, family living will type of deal, family trust, that's not going to protect you. They only work when you're dead. And so asset protection of focuses on and works while you're living against creditors suing you right now today. Um, and so you need to find out, are you just an estate plan attorney who just took a course on LLCs for a continuing legal education, which most of the people you're going to run into, that's what they do. So you need to look at what's their firm say that they do. Do they do just asset protection or are they doing estate plans? Are they really real estate attorneys? Are they really business transactional attorneys who just took a continuing legal educational course on an LLC and now they think that the LLC is a one-stop silver bullet to everything. That's not how it works, but that's how most people you're going to run into will be operating. So when you research, when you research what attorneys to look for, find out and talk to them on what percentage of your practice is purely focused on asset protection. Um, what type of clientele do you have? Like if you're a doctor, make sure that they have a lot of doctors who are investing in real estate as well, because then they understand the liability of a medical professional. So you want to make sure they have clients that match your profile also. 
um, again, what percentage is purely asset protection versus another area of law? Um, what kind of affiliations do they have? Do they affiliate with other asset protection firms and wealth managers and CPAs? Because then they're going to be able to quickly get you in contact with people to maximize your money as fast as possible and come up with a good solution to a question you might have. Um, and so those are great questions to ask and vet them as you're going through so you don't get sold a bag of goods. That's awesome. Thank you so much for supplying those questions. It's just like building your team. We always talk about, you know, finding your realtor, finding your CPA, you know, finding a boots on the ground, finding your contractor. This is just a whole nother side of it is to finding another person to add on to your team, the, you know, a perfect attorney. And, but also you want to have attorneys that cover different things. So your asset protection, you want someone uh, in New York state, you have to have a real estate attorney that does closings for you. So are you saying that it's probably best to find different attorneys to cover those different areas instead of one general attorney that thinks they can do all of those things? Yeah, because if you think that you're a general attorney and that you can be professionally an expert in everything, I'm sorry, you're wrong. That works out when you're starting out, but then eventually you have to specialize. It's just like a medical doctor. Eventually you have, you specialize. Otherwise, you're a general practitioner and you just outsource to different specialists when they come in. Yep, that uh, looks like an ulcer. So go see the GI specialist. That looks like a heart attack, like you need to go to a cardiologist. You know, So same thing with anything else in your life and law related. Find the right person who's the right specialist in what you're doing. The real estate transactional guy will close your deal. Your tax attorney or your CPA will do your taxes and handle your tax issues. Your asset protection attorney is going to protect you when your doomsday scenario comes around. And you better hope that they have different solutions than just say, yeah, there's an LLC. Go use that. You know, like hopefully they use asset protection trusts and understand the difference of onshore, offshore hybrids and how those all work, because that's a game changer later on. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for kind of breaking that down for us. Let's go down uh, now to the rookie reply. So this is where we have a rookie investor call in and leave us a voicemail. Uh, anybody that's listening, you can call in at one eight 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 five rookie and leave us a message and we may uh, play it on the show to answer. Hey guys, Carson from Jersey City. Love the show. Um, I'm calling because I am hopefully purchasing my first property next month. And my question has to do with LLCs and insurance. I don't believe our lender will allow uh, an LLC because of the due on sale clause. So I'm wondering if getting a really, really good homeowner's insurance policy is a good way to prevent my parents from losing their retirement. Just trying to protect us legally and I uh, hope you can help. Thanks. Yeah. So, I mean, it would be what's all the retirement in? Is it just that one property or is there retirement also in like 401ks and IRAs, um, personal brokerage accounts? Because 401ks and, and IRAs have exemptions through the federal government or they're ERISA exempted. So those are really hard to get into. So they might get access into that from a lawsuit when they're withdrawing the money from it. Um, but while it's in an ERISA protected account, those are exempted and really strong. Um, the real estate, we already talked about the insurance, you know, like you should at least put it into an LLC and get insurance onto it so that there's a stopgap and a moat. Just realize the limitations of insurance. It just provides capital. It's not going to provide, you know, uh, it's not going to cover everything under the sun. Know your limits. Um, as you scale, you might need more. Umbrellas policies are the same exact thing. All they do is provide more capital to fight a lawsuit, but they're not going to cover intentional wrongdoings. And so it, it, it's the same exact limitations. Um, so I would say have insurance, have as much insurance as you think you're comfortable with affording, put the property into an LLC. You would get the mortgage in your personal name. We don't use just like land trust. If you're basically starting out, you hear people say, well, have an LLC in a land trust. We don't even go with a land trust because there over the last like 30, 40 years, you cannot find one case where just because you transferred a real estate asset out of your name into an LLC that the bank called the mortgage due because you're paying it. They're not going to rock the boat. They may ask what you're doing, which they find. Yeah, I'm transferring it into my LLC. I still have the mortgage under my name. It's just for asset protection purposes. Okay, great. If you're not paying your mortgage, that's a different story. Then they're going to foreclose on you and call your note due. If you're concerned about it, and we have over 3,000 clients, like 5 billion that we're protecting. And like we never use a land trust for any one of our clients. But if you're concerned about it, that's where you would put it into the land trust. 
and use a land trust because it's into a trust and they're not going to be able to call the mortgage due. Um, just realize generally I find that to be just an upsell of someone trying to charge you an extra thousand dollars for something. I haven't had one attorney and other firm and we affiliate with hundreds of other firms through our asset protection council. Um, no one's seen a case over the last 30 years of a mortgage being called due just because you transferred out of your personal name into an LLC. But I would say check with your local attorney on that and get insurance, but understand the limitations. That's really uh, interesting to hear because that is a huge debate, especially in the forums on biggerpockets.com is, do I, should I get it an LLC? Should I transfer it after I get the, the mortgage? Because the benefit of putting it into your personal name is that 30-year fixed rate mortgage with the low interest rate that is so enticing and can make a deal an even better deal by going that route instead of yeah. having to go to the commercial side and putting in an LLC. And I have found a couple of banks where they will lend to you in an LLC and still give you that residential 30-year fix. But the interest rate on both of those banks was super high. I think at 7.35% when you could go and get the 30-year fix in your personal name for three and a half, four percent But um, I, I think that's really interesting to hear from an actual attorney what their yeah. experience has been with their clients about transferring it to an LLC after you've closed on the mortgage. Yeah. And we do it. You know, that's how, that's how we do it. We just transfer it straight mm-hmm. out of your personal name directly into an LLC, even if they're not using an asset protection trust, because if you're using an asset protection trust, it doesn't matter because it's a trust. Mm-hmm. Um, but not all of our clients are at that million dollar net worth mark where they need the trust yet. So we'd be using an LLC with a limited partnership. And we still would just take the property and put it directly into the LLC without a land trust. But to clear up, uh, I, a land trust is like any other trust. You know, like it just holds land. You know, like they're essentially a privacy device. And that's the big distinction. It's just a privacy device and not a protection device. And that's because under the land trust agreement, your identity as the legal owner can't be disclosed to the public unless it's ordered by the court. Um, and they'll just see the name of the trust, like 123 Main Street Land Trust, not your personal name. But the issue is that land trusts don't have built-in asset protection or limited liability. They're just a trust to hold land. Um, They just separate ownership from use of the land and help transfer assets without potentially invoking the due on sale clause of a bank, which we haven't seen happen in like 30 years. Um, But if somebody, let's say, slips and fell and they got hurt, the beneficiary, meaning you, of that land trust still is going to be liable um, when you're sued and, and, and collected on if you're just using the land trust by itself. So clients and like and people just starting out, if you are concerned about this, um, preferably use a business entity like an LLC that's going to be named as the beneficiary of the trust. And that's going to be your privacy and then your protection element through the LLC. And then you can get a little bit of more comfort of saying, okay, I have a land trust and it's connected to an LLC. As you grow, we would just get rid of the land trust, add the second layer limited partnership, and then come in with a strong asset protection bridge trust later on. Mm-hmm. Brian, so much great information. Um, I feel like I got a lot of homework to do now after having this conversation. <laughs> got me a little scared about how I'm protecting everything right now. But uh, b- before we wrap up for today, at least the first part of, of our conversation with you, I want to give a quick shout out to today's Ricky Rockstar. Um, and today's Ricky Rockstar comes from the Facebook group, the Real Estate Ricky Facebook group. So again, if you guys aren't in there, make sure you join. 30,000 plus members in there are going really strong. But today's Ricky Rockstar is Keo Jones. And uh, Keo has a really, really uh, phenomenal story. But Keo completed a, a flip in North Phoenix. I can't really tell if it was a live-in flip or maybe it just took a while to get it done, but it was a two and a half year job. They bought the property and remodeled it for an all-in cost of $500,000. And they have it under contract to sell at $1 million. So I think out of all of our rookie rock stars, that might be the highest purchase price or sales price that we've seen. So Keo, congratulations to you for, for an amazing job. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Yeah, that is so cool. Well, Brian, uh, can you tell everyone a little bit uh, where they can reach out to you or find some more information about you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My website, www.btblegal.com. I have my website set up as an educational resource um, with a lot of videos, a huge frequently asked questions section, and um, just a lot of case law. So like, I'd rather have people just being able to go through and research before they start talking to people to understand uh, what they're getting into and what they need to and why. Um, And I think the more information you have, the better questions you have and the less likely you're going to be taken advantage of. 
Um, you can email me, Brian, B-R-I-A-N at btblegal.com. You know, I'm pretty responsive. And I, again, I would just rather have people have access to information to make a better educated decision. Well, Brian, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate you ha- having you on today. And everybody listening, Brian is going to be back on our Saturday episode this week for Rookie Reply, where we are bringing people on to uh, ask Brian questions. So make sure you guys join us on Saturday to listen to that. I'm Ashley at Welcome Rentals, and I'm here with Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram, and we'll see you guys on Saturday. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals. Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.